and that's when I found bow hunting. And let oh, me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, that's a whole different ball game. That was hook, line, and sinker right away. Yeah, that was that's 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 where my real passion lies is bow hunting. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. You know, for those of you who are tuning in quite a bit and following along, um, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus here the past couple of months, and it has coincided with uh, November and December, which is a incredibly busy time here at Shields. Uh, one, I mean, it's hunting season. Um, number two, it is Christmas time. And things just got a little hectic. So, <laughs> so we apologize. We apologize no. for that. But hey, we're back here. And you know what? We brought reinforcements too. So um, for those of you watching on YouTube, you will see a new individual to the, to the left of me right now, along with uh, my co-host Ashley. Ashley, how you been? Doing great, Mike. Yeah, thanks for thanks for asking. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, I always I'm glad ask. to be back. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good, good to be back in the seat. Yes. So, and uh, we brought along with us Solomon Bach. How you doing, Solomon? I'm doing great. Good to be here. Yeah. Excited. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Yeah. yeah. Solomon has been a a longtime listener of the podcast. Um, originally from which store? Originally from, well, the store that I worked at was Rapid City. Rapid City. Originally from Watertown, South Dakota. Okay, we got ourselves a South Dakota boy with mm-hmm. us. That's right. So, yeah, Solomon. The The first time I was introduced to Solomon was via Instagram. Uh, a picture that was tagged in the Shields Outdoors account of him with this giant African animal with like the coolest angle I've ever seen. It's just like, it looked like he had about 30 foot of 30 foot of horns on him. So tell me a little, what was that animal again? Yeah. So it's a sable, um, part of the antelope family. Um, there's a ton of, ton of antelope animals that fall into that category in Africa. Um, they have a lot more horned animals than we do here. Just a huge variety. Um, and I can't take all the credit for the, actually I can't take any credit for the camera angle. That was all, all, uh, my buddy, um, Hindrew that did all that. So okay. I can't take any credit for the angle, but it was, it was a cool picture. Nice. Yeah. Well, we'll get a little bit more into that, but, um, let's just back things up a little bit, introduce yourself. And you yeah. said you're from Watertown. Mm-hmm. Um, how long, uh, have you worked with Shields? When did you start? Things like that. I started in October of 2022, so it'll be coming up on two years this year. Yep, I was in the store for a little over a year before coming here to Fargo to the corporate office. Yes, yeah, now we get to work alongside you, which has been nice. Yeah, it's been good. I've I've enjoyed it. It's we're 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 rolling in my dream job right now so far. So it's been good. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, it went from like. Holy, look at that giant animal. To, oh, he's working in our office now. That's, that's yeah. pretty neat. So, Quick transition. And what were yeah. you doing at the, the Rapid City store? I was a part-time salesman in Hardline. So okay. same type of thing, hunting, fishing, outdoors, all that stuff. And I mean, originally it was just kind of a, a filler job till I found something full-time after school um, or after college, I should say. 
but getting into it, I mean, being able to be hands-on with the product all day, and we'll, we'll talk about it later, but I'm, I'm a big gearhead, so, like, <laughs> I enjoy trying out a bunch of different stuff, so being hands-on with products in, like, the best retail store ever was, like, a super cool way to make some extra money and just have fun doing it, so that's originally why I had started at Shields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just get that get that little taste of Shields, and then you're hooked. It, that's exactly right. That's <laughs> yeah. what everybody says. We got you, buddy. It's true. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. Oh, that's great. So, um, what did what did you enjoy most about working at a Shields store? Yeah, I th- I think the product would be a big part of it. Just being able to see what's coming out, see what's new, have a little bit of that kind of beforehand knowledge. Not always, but just being able to get hands on with stuff like that. But also helping out the customers because like when you when you see a customer looking for that certain thing, for me at least, I saw myself because I'd go into Shields all the time looking for whatever it is that I wanted, whether it was trapping or hunting or something like that and finding somebody that knows what they're talking about and actually is willing to help you and wants to get you that correct product being able to be that person for a customer is super cool so you can kind of see it from both sides because i i want to be both of those people i want to be the customer because i like the product but i also want to be the guy that knows about the product to help the customer that's very cool and that's that's one thing i'm a little disappointed i haven't been yet here at shields is like somebody on the floor like a salesman because you know, sometimes I'll go into the, like the fishing shop and, uh, you know, I'm just looking around or maybe I just shot a video or something like that. And you see like guys looking at all the fishing lures and things like that. And I find myself striking up conversations like very easily with those oh, yeah. people. It's like, Oh, you're looking at those jigging wraps. So I, d- I do the podcast for shields and we did like an <laughs> hour discussion on these jigging wraps talking about what rods to use techniques stuff like that you got to check it out and you got to buy that number nine jig and wrap mm-hmm. and uh i like the i like the white you know <laughs> so it's so you know. easy to start a conversation oh, talking yeah. about stuff like that like as a customer as an employee as just a bystander like the whole reason you're in shields is because you like what the product is and like what the environment is and being an employee it's just like you get to be hands-on with it all day mm-hmm. so i did get to work in hard lines once I bet you guys didn't know that. Let's hear it. No, I didn't. didn't. (laughs) Let's hear it. It was maybe, yeah. Um, Inventory. Okay. Very special time of the year for our stores. It's the most wonderful (laughs) time. (laughs) So many years ago, many years ago, I got assigned ammunition. Okay. Do you know how many boxes of ammunition there are? Um, More than seven. (laughs) Yikes. I would say that is... Second worst. Yeah. First worst. Fishing. fishing yeah. Terminal tackle. Mm, so I was thinking yeah. maybe we could find a good spot for you in inventory next year. Oh, if only in I fishing. could be so yeah. lucky. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, let's let's talk some hunting. I know, I mean, we have like this great recruitment podcast going on right now. Yeah. Everyone yeah. wants yeah. to come yeah. and work with us now. No. Yeah. You, Solomon, you like hunting, hunting. don't you? Uh, just, just a little bit. I do it here and there. Yeah. Occasionally. Big okay. passion. Yeah. 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 So when did you first get started hunting? Yeah, so that's an interesting story. I definitely got started later than most people. I didn't necessarily grow up hunting. Um, my dad was the first one to take me out like most people, but it, it wasn't at a super, super young age. I think it, it's probably sophomore year of high school. So it wasn't, wasn't real young, but went out with, with the gun that he got handed down to him, um, 243, and just was out looking for a deer. That's wasn't anything much more to it than that. Wasn't looking for a buck or a doe, just a deer. Um, yeah, didn't, didn't have a passion for it at that time at all. Um, it was just something that we did together just as kind of a father son thing. Um, 
but yeah, went out, ended up getting something on the first or second time we had gone out. Didn't stray too far from the truck, I'll say that. Um, it was definitely cold in the mornings that we went. But that was, that was the first time I got exposed to, to hunting, to deer hunting, I should say. Um, grew up pheasant hunting, but that's kind of a little... I, I consider those different categories a little bit. But So yeah, that was, that was the first experience deer hunting. Did that for a couple of years, um, where it was just kind of that, oh, let's go deer hunting this weekend, let's get a tag, and that type of thing. So a couple of years did that, and uh, took a little bit of a hiatus as... I became a little bit more into uh, basketball through the, throughout the end of my high school career and into college. Played played basketball in college as well, so didn't hunt much at all for like probably a three or four year period. Um, but then, yeah, after after I stopped playing basketball in college, definitely picked back up, and that's when I found bow hunting. And let oh, me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, that's a whole different ball game. That was hook, line, and sinker right away. Yeah, that was that's 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 where my real passion lies is bow hunting. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. Like I'm I'm so hooked on bow hunting too. You know, like pretty much any animal, I would I would want to shoot it with a bow. Oh yeah. Besides a turkey though. There's just something about shotgun. Yeah. Turkey. <laughs> yeah. I can see it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um What's your what's your favorite North American game animal to hunt? Is it the is it the deer or is it something else? Well, the deer. Well, let's see. Yeah, white tailed mule deer. I think are the only North American like big game animals that I've harvested. Haven't shot an elk yet. Haven't been successful there. Um, but yeah, I would say I, I just there's something about being in the white tail woods, being up in a tree stand or in the saddle. Um, got into saddle hunting a couple of years ago. That's that's been a lot of fun. But yeah, there's just something about being up in the tree, not necessarily having a care in the world, just kind of hanging out. Whether you're putting in the work beforehand or just waiting for the deer to come by on a Saturday afternoon, something like that. But white tail is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of one of my first experiences here with Solomon was was in the white tail woods. That's he, right. He showed up showed up to work and like. I don't know. Second day, I like I knew he was around. Like he was giving introductions and stuff, and uh, you know, walk by my office. Hey, like obviously, oh, that's Mike. He's the one in the office with all the deer heads and the turkey yeah. fans. Oh and yeah, stuff. I was like, oh, that's dead giveaway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I did, I was like wandering around the marketing office, which if you've never been in the marketing office, which I'm assuming most people haven't. <laughs> But um, it's kind of a maze. It is. Like, it's, you get lost pretty yeah. easy, even if you've worked here for a while. And I, I didn't know where he was. Like, I was wandering around, you know, like my normal spots I would go through to go to, like, lunch or whatever. And he was just nowhere. So I, I stumbled into, what room, what do they call that room? Like, I was uh, told it's called the cave. The cave. I've this, never heard this, anybody refer to it other this, than the person that told me it was called the cave. Yeah, this is where all our graphic artists uh, reside and yeah, I mean they they like to have the lights off all the time. Hence why they probably call it the cave. Yep. But there nobody makes a peep. There is a tremendous amount of creativity flowing through. Oh that yeah. Room. So maybe just the the light hinders it, or I don't I, know. I don't know. I just got to keep the vibes high. That. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> Low lights, high vibes. Yeah, there you go. But anyways, I found him, and I was like, we started talking, and then I was like, hey, you want to go hunting on Sunday? I still got a North Dakota tag, and. I just want to fill the freezer. Like I'm going to shoot the first animal that walks in front of me at this point. It's like mid to late December and like, uh, I want some turkey. And, uh, he's like, yeah, let's do it. So yeah, we went out and, uh, we found this public chunk that neither one of us had ever been to. And 
walked out there and got our saddles set up, and then the wind started blowing at like 30 miles an hour, and we didn't see a dang thing. Yep. Yeah. Great but time. Great time. You know what? Good bonding <laughs> It was. Were you bonding, right? though, from separate trees? Yes. We, we, were, we were yeah. close at heart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> close You're going at, through it together. Close yes. at heart yeah. about mm, 12 foot away or something. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, close enough to, like, whisper or, like, read each Some other. good hand motions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Funny. Watch like, each other oh, rocking in the dang tree. I don't, why, why didn't I get invited? You know, I will invite you <laughs> no. next time. I'm. I don't. I was know new. How you can't blame me. Okay. No, I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. you guys got to bond on this. This yeah. is. This is good. I'll invite you next time. You okay. know, you should just come turkey hunting. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. I hear. He tells me that's what I have to start with. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to get people introduced to the sport. Like for people that haven't hunted before, you know, getting your kids. You can stick them in a ground blind if they have ADD and want to move all the time. Like. You can stay hidden, and when you watch that first turkey or you hear the first one gobble back at you, you just, like, lose your breath. It's it's wild. And then you see them, like, come in and strut, and, like, if you get lucky enough, one of them might attack your decoy. And, yeah, it's it's a rush. Yeah. Absolute rush. I need to learn more about turkey hunting from you because I, I was spoiled and then not spoiled. So first year, quick tangent, first year I went out, which was not that long ago, probably four years ago, um, with a bow, never shot a turkey with a shotgun. So with a bow, went out because I could get the tag just over the counter easy from South Dakota. And then uh, didn't even set up a blind, just had two decoys, like the little foam collapsible ones, set them out where I had seen some turkeys in the past while I was deer hunting, sat behind a bush. And I don't even think I called. I'm not even sure if I had a call, but uh, they came right in shot the biggest one that had the biggest beard out of the group of probably four or five of them. And I was like, man, it's everybody saying this turkey hunting stuff's hard. <laughs> and then the next year, my brother and I went out and we're like, this will be a cakewalk. We'll just go find a group and it'll be fine. And we tried so hard, so hard. Like we put in way too much work for a turkey and neither of us got anything. Okay. When you first started that story, I was thinking to myself, like the people that are hardcore turkey hunters listening to this, are probably pretty angry. At oh, I'm sure. Right now. Yeah. Like that's not how it works. All the people that drive by and see them on the side of the road thinking turkey hunting's easy. Why is why is it so hard to shoot one? Yeah. No. Like it I was is that not, person is on your not one. That easy. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. I'm at the lake and I'm sitting reading a book, and all of a sudden there's six of them walking up, and I'm like, go away, go away. So I'm like. Mike, I see them all the time. Yeah. Can't be that hard, right? How hard is that? They seem yeah. like the easiest animal to hunt until you actually try and get out in their element yeah. and get after them. My so. theory is the more you try, the harder it is. So we'll see if that pans out this year. I mean, there there is something to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So um, I want to hear about Africa. Talk to us about your Africa experience. Sure. Um, so to go back to the beginning... Um, Nobody in my family really had. Actually, let's go back to the beginning. Beginning. So, like I said, first couple times I went hunt, went out hunting, went out with my dad. He's not a huge hunter. He'll go out sometimes. We do some pheasant hunting and stuff like that. But my family is not like a big hunting family, really. Um, it was kind of me that got into it, and then uh, my brother kind of followed suit shortly after. Um, but we had been doing some pheasant hunting, and through one of our pheasant hunting connections, we had found out that they had gone to Africa to do some big game hunting, and we're like, "Holy cow, that's pretty crazy." and just learned a bunch about it and found out that like we know a ton of the same people that these outfitters in Africa know. So we're like, wow, we should like get connected and like look at what the possibilities are. 
Um, and this was a couple of years after we had, me and my brother had gotten into hunting. So we, we'd gotten into it a little bit by now, but so we had gotten connected with them and just one thing led to another and we planned a whole trip and it was super cool because it was a whole family trip. So my, my brother, me, my sister and my mom and my dad all went, um, and not like a huge hunting family, like not, not everybody's just like die hard, but everybody enjoys it. Nobody's afraid of hunting or the, sometimes the gore that comes with it, but it was a good time. Um, got there, the people at, uh, it's Bosville Jacobs Outfitters. They're just incredible, super hospitable people, like the best, the best time you'd ever have. Um, we got there and we had, we had kind of a, a list of, of the animals that were like options that you could hunt. Um, and I won't get into the weeds of it, but like the whole con- conservation aspect of the hunting down there is nuts. Like it's 10 times more wild than the conservation stuff in the U S in my opinion. It's just, it's crazy how they do it. But so there's a list of all these animals that you can look at that you can go try to hunt. Um, and it was an incredibly successful trip and everybody in my family ended up, um, harvesting an animal down there on the first trip we went down, which was super, super cool. Very cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So after we got back, um, everybody was like, man, like that was the coolest vacation trip that we'd ever been on. So we kind of just slowly put it into the works to try to plan another trip at some point. So, oh, would it have been three years later, I think, that uh, we kind of set another trip in stone and uh, planned it, got there, same thing, same outfitter. They're just incredible people. They take care of you like crazy. Um, and this trip, I brought my bow. So okay. the first time it was, we were all hunting with rifles and nobody else in my family really bow hunts except for my brother. Um, but he wasn't quite as far into it as I was and, uh, brought my bow this time, which I thought was super, super cool. Cause I'd, I'd really wanted, I mean, there's a little bit of something sentimental about shooting something with a bow, especially when it's, when it's your own bow, obviously. But I was like, man, if I can do that, that would be just something crazy to remember forever. So got to do that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Do you want me to go into the whole story of it? Just give us the semi-quick version. Okay, so um, once again, um, my the rest of my family had kind of their their animals that they had wanted to pick out to harvest. Um, they they went off and did that. And since I was bow hunting, I was kind of off on my own. Since you kind of have to be, it's kind of a solo mission when you're bow hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, went out and did that. Was able to harvest an impala on uh, day two with the bow, and then um, the big animal that you're referring to earlier as uh, the sable and that was on the last hour of the last day like wow. like dead to rights like just, the just last how it opportunity goes in every yeah. hunting tv show yes exactly <laughs> except for it wasn't planned like that but that's what everybody <laughs> <Sure>. says <laughs> so yeah that it was it was a crazy story nice very cool so that I was had, a bucket list hunt I oh would say. like top of top of the bucket list yeah. like that's that's it wow. that's it for me well, you need to get a bigger bucket then. Well, there's <laughs> there's more on the list, but that was okay. That was, that, was yeah. that was it. All right, yeah. very nice, especially yeah, with the bow. I haven't been to Africa yet. It's it's on my bucket list as well. But um, yeah, not not super cheap. But no, we got to save up a little bit, and uh, now and then I got a I got a new connection now. So, there you go. So I got it. Yeah, we'll get you set up. Yeah, there you go. All right, we'll get you set up. Okay, so you talked a little bit earlier about being a gearhead. So I want to hear what are what are some of your top top products or like maybe must maybe have items. Yeah, five essentials. Essentials for hunting, or just I'll leave that up to you. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, 
I have to blame Shields for me becoming a gearhead because of the immense amount of products that I had access to. It happens. Yeah. So number one gearhead or number one piece of gear, I would say, would be the bow. Just because it's versatile, you can use it for multiple applications for hunting, turkey, deer, whatever. So that's got to be number one. That's the first thing I pack it. Second, let's see, probably binoculars. I've got a nice pair of Zeiss binoculars that I got, and uh, they, they come in handy. Mm-hmm. They come in handy. I'm not a huge spotting scope guy, though. I don't know why. I just I don't use one super often. Well, it depends on the quality of binoculars you have, too. That's true. If you just got, like, a cheapo pair, a spotting scope is nice to have. Because, That's true. Because, like, I've noticed that, too, when you get a good set of glass. Like, you find yourself, you can you can really see things mm-hmm. well. Um, when I want the spotting scope is, like, when I want to determine, say, I'm hunting out west. Like, okay, I know what that animal is, but I need to determine whether or not I want to chase it or yeah, not. Yeah, it's a shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So binos. Um, God, let's see. I'm a big fan of the jet boil. Okay. I will say that. And it's got to be looped in the same category, but the, the freeze dried meals, those are, those are pretty good. And so that, that'll lead me to a quick tangent of the Utah elk hunt that I went on this last year. Unsuccessful Utah elk hunt, but it was a good time and I learned a ton. But those those freeze dried meals when you're on the mountain are just like the, the best because yeah. it's like it's not a bag tuna and it's not gummy bears so it's like a five course meal. Don't you be dissing gummy bears? Oh no, they're good. But <laughs> okay. on on day six or seven, it's like oh. I, would right. I, would like I was <laughs> I was just about to turn this off and oh. say um, Solomon had to go somewhere else. Yeah, he's no longer here. <laughs> no, gummy bears are definitely on the list to pack for for food. I actually. All right, another quick tangent. I have I have a ritual with gummy bears. Actually, I don't know how okay. many people know this. Uh, I spend a lot of time out hunting west in the North Dakota Badlands, and I stop in Belfield, North Dakota, at the big gas station there, and I always buy two packs of gummy bears. That's the first thing that I do when I get there. Top priority. Yeah, so, priority so gearhead number over here. one. Gearhead. Yeah. Gummy bears. Gearhead, Mike. Yeah. Comfort though. Gummy you got to be comfortable. Right. Yeah. And you, and you don't get the cheapo it's ones either. It's those, what is like, Albany's, whatever the, oh, like, the, the white package. The white pack, oh. man. Those are delicious. Yeah. And you know, it's a tier. quick little energy hit, too. Yep. That's pack gummy bears. Pro that's, tip right there. That's Mike tip number The Albany's one. ones, number that's top one. tier. Yep. Absolutely. No yeah. skimp. So do you need to pre-open them before you get out there? So You don't have to, but... I find myself opening them because I can't resist. They're always them. open. Okay. That's the trick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So okay, what's that so put back us at? To some, uh, let's hear. Is that three? Is that three or four? We'll you say said three was going to be. You got the bow, the you got the binoculars, you got jet boil yep. slash freeze dried. Yep. I'm lumping that into three. one category. Okay. So you're at three. Okay. Give us one that's a little bit more obscure because, I mean, bow and binoculars, that's, that's more essential. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But we'll still keep them on the list. This is harder than I thought it was going to be. I'll be honest. I thought this was just going to be oh, easy. Your, your list? That's, that's what I do. Oh, man. I, I think, I mean, it might not be super obscure, but socks. Everybody overlooks socks. Like, having an extra pair of socks when you're hunting is like a game changer. Because whether, wherever you're hunting in the Badlands, you might not run across like rivers and stuff like that as often. But if you're You'd elk hunting. Con- surprised. Yeah. Well, then there you it's go. It's not necessarily rivers. It's those creeks 
that you um, you see on like on X and you think like, okay, that's probably dried up. And then you get there and you're like, oh, that's not dried up. And I don't know if I can jump across <laughs> it. And then you try and jump across it and then you don't make it. No dice. Yeah. Not that that's ever happened. But if it were, but if, if it, it were, were to happen, happen that nice pair of socks. socks, yeah, comes in hand. Yes. Okay, last one. Man, this is tough. Stop. All right, you know what? Okay. I'm gonna fill in your last. Okay. One. All right. You got it. Go for it. So, Go for it. I mean, I, I don't necessarily call myself like a gearhead, gearhead, but like I dabble. Yeah. So I'm gonna say um, one of those one of those units that will like attach your phone to your optics, whether oh. it's like a mag view or something of that aspect. Mm-hmm. If, if you've never played around with those, that's legit. Cause I mean, like I'm, I'm really into videoing my experiences and stuff. And like, obviously you have your phone with you. You're looking on on X or you're making sure like you can contact people if things mm-hmm. happen or whatever. Um, but being able to like record what you're seeing through your scope is super super cool yeah so and like the advancements they make nowadays is like they're they're legit you know like you just got like that magnetic backing and then it like clips right on and then you know adjust it a little bit and then Mm -hmm. you can have that thing forever because it's like oh man i saw this buck that was so huge like you should have been there well sure you did (laughs) you can record it yeah so now some is this thing also tethered to you because I know the story with your phone and recording oh. things. So just wondering if that's the same type of... You know, it, it sure can be. You it's just, there you go. Maybe you right there. Just this little piece okay. right here. Right there. Yeah, okay. you got the strip. So um, we, we hinted a little bit at this phone thing. So is we're going to do a little story time. Okay. Okay. So um, if anybody follows along with our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, like that's my normal job. I run that. But um, I, I got invited to go to this ice fishing university, and we're doing this Lure of the Week series. So we feature, you know, various lures for various types of fish. And we had we had two of them that we were going to film with a couple of our experts, one from St. Cloud and, and one from uh, uh, Eclair, uh, our experts. And what we were doing was we were going to, like, record the experts talking about the lures and what sorts of rods and setups and stuff and then we wanted to catch fish with them so we we struggled finding fish but it was like okay let's get some underwater footage because i had a camera with and set it up and i got into this spot that was like 16 or so foot and it was right off a weed line felt good about it and i put the camera down and it was like oh we got some fish all right sweet so first one i have is the kendra's k-rip so i'm and i have just like one of those portable underwater camera so i didn't have like the the device that like holds locks like the The tripod yeah the tripod deal so here i am on the ice like maneuvering it around and jigging with the other hand and you know like i'm going oh there i see it okay cool so um all of a sudden this pike comes in and just freaking destroys the lore right when I, i had it on record too so i was like oh this is sweet so i reel out the pike and I get, I get it up, I throw it on the, on the ice right next to me, and it flops around, and it knocks my underwater camera into the hole. So, like, I grab it quick before anything happens, and he somehow finds his way down the other hole and darts down, 
and I grab my rod right before he takes that down, snaps the, snaps the line. So it's Holy like, cow. oh, great. So I can't record with that one anymore. I was stupid and didn't buy extra lures. So it's like, okay, I got to film with the other one. So pull out the other one, start going. And I am struggling a little bit trying to get it to like the cord turn properly. And so I'm leaning down on the, on the ice, like basically laying down. I got my right shoulder on the ice and I'm jigging with the other one. And I leaned a little too much and my phone came out of my chest pocket and plopped right into the hole. So, and I had been filming all of my stuff on the phone, like getting all the perfect angles, getting the interviews and stuff. So basically everything I filmed that whole morning was gone. So, you know, I, I went into the, like the stages of losing your phone, which the first one was like disbelief and shock. (laughs) And then it, it transferred into like immense anger. Like I, uh, I was by myself inside of this ice house and I was throwing my hat and my gloves and (laughs) very, very angry at this point. And then it kind of turned into like acceptance and trying to figure out like if it's possible to get this thing back, which, you know, to make a long story short, it was not possible. So I went to call the insurance company to try and get it back. And I, uh, I started talking, explaining the situation and, and the, gal I was talking with, very nice gal. She was from the Philippines and I was explaining that I lost it ice fishing and she had no idea what ice fishing was. So I explained like where I'm from, it's cold enough that a layer of ice forms over the water and you, you walk out on it and then, and then you drill a hole through it and then you, and then you fish. And she's like, (laughs) this was just pretty much beyond her comprehension but she was like, okay, I, I accept this. You can, we can figure it out. So I got a new phone. I got a new case and it's got one of those like, like stands that's got a little circle oh, in okay. it. So you can like, it's meant for like putting your finger through it so you can like text easier or whatnot. But I bought a tether too. So like I can attach the tether to my phone, to, to my the body, to my tip right so, there. So like now, so that doesn't happen again. So one of your essential yeah. items will always be the tether <laughs> Bonus for the tip, phone. number six, tether to go on your phone when you're ice fishing so you don't lose the dang thing down the hole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a tough story. I feel like yeah. a lot of people can probably relate to that. Maybe not the falling down the ice hole situation, painful. but just yeah. the phone gone, forgotten forever. Oh, and like um, one of the funniest parts about it too is like, we had planned with my wife to like, I was going to pick up the kids when I was going to get back. And like, I had to grab a phone from somebody else and call her when she was working at the time, didn't answer. I'm like, honey, I'm calling from a different phone number because my phone (laughs) is currently 16 foot down on the bottom of the lake. And I don't know what time I'm going to be home. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the kids. I'll try and get hold of you. And I ended it with like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Please let me go ice fishing again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it it wasn't the best day ever. Let's just say that. But hey, it all worked out. You live and you learn from it. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So (laughs) let's talk archery. Okay. Let's talk archery. Big archery nerd. I am. I am. (laughs) I feel Um, like he's been itching to talk about this the whole time. It's, it's hot. It's hot on the plate. Yeah. (laughs) 
I, I will have to give a shout out to uh, Rick Wilson from Shields in Rapid City because he was a big inspiration in how deep of a dive I've had into the archery, um, the archery rabbit hole in the last couple of years. So anyway, big shout out to Rick. Awesome guy. Um, but yeah, archery has just been a huge passion. Um, I went from getting a bow just when I first got a bow, got it from whatever local shop that I had when, in Aberdeen when I was going to school. Just didn't know a dang thing about it. Just said, hey, I want a bow. Let's let's get me set up. But yeah, once I started at Shields, um, Rick was like, hey, let's get you let's get you set up. I'm like, let's get you fit for a bow and get something that'll actually work for you. Because I've got long arms, so that unfortunately narrows down my choices for a bow in terms of draw length. But yeah, so I've been been down the rabbit hole of how much, I mean, draw poundage, draw length, how much your arrow's got to weigh, front of center on your arrow, like just everything. And there's, and you probably know Mike too, and if you ever get into archery, you will definitely realize this shortly after you get into it, is you have to draw a line somewhere on where you want that rabbit hole to stop. Because you (laughs) can just keep going and going. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, archery's been awesome. Um, I like, I mean, in, in... Outside of hunting, I, I shoot all the time. Still, I'm shooting an archery league here in town. I love to shoot the total archery challenges, those those events, that type of thing. Just shooting as a sport, just for fun. It's it's a lot of fun. I try to encourage anybody who hasn't tried it to at least try it and give it a go. It isn't it is quite an investment to start out, but it's one of those things where if you if you kind of catch on and you enjoy it, it's something you'll do for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's uh, you know it's not crazy expensive to get started. I mean, you can buy a you know an entry level package and get into it and then figure out what you like, what your needs Mm -hmm. are, and then kind of move your way from there. So it's, there are rabbit holes. Yes. The line's got to start somewhere. (laughs) I want to feel like it's really like a skill and an art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can, you have to be very like in tune and yeah. And it's, and like I said, the shout out to Rick was just because like when I started archery, like, like I said, I just was shooting the way I thought you were supposed to shoot, but like, once you once you learn from somebody that is willing to teach you and take the time to actually show you how to shoot correctly, that opens up a world of like a world of difference just in terms of how accurate you can be and how consistent you can be. Just the changes that Rick helped me help me change in my form of how to shoot the bow. Like it sounds like such an easy thing. You shoot a bow, you shoot a bow, that's it. But no, it's like you can grip the bow certain ways, your release has to be a certain way, and if you do those things correctly as consistently as possible, you can become a really good archer. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, archery is really about confidence. You know, finding the right equipment for you, and then using the right form, and then you can start getting pretty dangerous pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, very cool. So, I I like this dynamic we have going on. Like, you know, you you originally started just listening to the podcast, and when you know we first started actually talking, he's like, yeah. Actually, I, I listen to the podcast. I love it, and I was like, "Whoa, you're, you actually like <laughs> listen to this?" Yeah. Oh this yeah. Is, this is super cool. We got a fan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is like a special well, feature fan video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but and now you've transitioned into into like being behind the microphone a little bit. So, yeah. um, you know, coming from somebody that uh, that started listening to somebody who's talking now, like, do you have any you have any questions for us? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. First of all, Ashley, I would like to say, um, well, thank you guys for both welcoming me on here. Obviously, first of all, it's awesome. I appreciate you guys having me. It's been it's been nothing but a fantastic ride so far. Um, but since I am new to town, and you are from Fargo, correct? From Fargo. Okay. 
what do I need to know about Fargo? Oh boy. Do you know about the wood chipper? I don't. Oh. It's the wood chipper. No. Ah, jeez. Ah, jeez. So, yeah. no. I mean... We, From the movie Fargo, it's at the community center. Mm-hmm. It's okay. just, it's and an iconic gotta, thing. Ashley, but. you got to answer this from a perspective of like people in California or from right. Maine can be listening to this. Like the wood chipper. And I've never been to Fargo, but the, I've heard of it and I've watched the movie. Right. So We do not sound like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speak for yourself. Maybe, maybe I you do. Know. I probably oh, yeah, do. I bet yeah. you. Yeah, I've been um, told once or twice I've got a, I've got an accent. So it is what right. it is. Oh, yeah. Are you from Canada? No. Oh, yeah. But close, close, close. Pert um, near. Yeah. You know, just we have like such a cool community here that um, all different seasons, like this weekend, there's outdoor festival going on. Um, go downtown, partake in all the different things there are to do. In the summer, there's a farmer's market. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool community. So, yeah, I, I'm still here. That's, that so, speaks volumes. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's the biggest small town you'll right. find. It's, you know, I mean, we're not gigantic. Like, between the whole, what you would call our metro or whatever, right. like the Fargo, West Fargo, Moorhead, Horace, you know, you have it, like, what, what is there, like 500,000 people in all of it? Yeah, maybe close to that. Somewhere yeah. around Somewhere there. Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. It's but crazy it's, how much it's growing. You talk to someone and, like, you're going to have a, a mutual acquaintance. Yeah. You're going to yeah. both know someone. Just small enough to where oh, people yeah. know each other? Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. It's, it, it's big enough you can get what you want, but it's small enough where, like, you can have a conversation about someone you both know. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, we're. I'm excited to kind of explore, and obviously we're in the winter months right now, so exploring right. is tough at some points, but... It is like 50 degrees outside yeah. right now on January 30th or but 31st I, I can or give you lots of like restaurant recommendations I will and places absolutely too, take you up on that. Um, other people won't maybe know those. So Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like yeah. me. <laughs> um, yeah, you I know, can send I, you some. Okay, yeah, dinner, I'll, I'll take know? them too. You know, I still just can't get over like when you just said 50 degrees because we're filming this in, you know, end of January, early February time frame. And uh, it's 50 degrees, and there's no snow, and ice conditions are terrible, and it's painful. Like, I keep telling myself it's good for the deer. They're going to be well off. But I like ice fishing, and this is not helping me ice fish. Mm-hmm. So ice fishing, are you, do you do much of that? I do, yeah. Okay. I've gotten a little bit more into it the last couple of years. Uh, once again, it's just kind of something me and my brother do. Um, I haven't explored a lot of different lakes. I've kind of stuck around my hometown, that Watertown area. Um, there's some good lakes around there, but yeah, we've, we've gone out a number of times and gotten the chance to use some, some forward facing sonar and a lot of those hot new products that definitely help a little bit. Um, but I will say that the forward facing sonar to the people that think it's a cheat code, I see where you're coming from, but also I used it this entire weekend last weekend and caught like two fish. So it does not help you catch the fish all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's because yeah. of your turkey comment. Oh, yeah. That's why. I'm, I got jinxed. Yeah. That's what it is. There you go. It all comes back. Have comes you ever back been around. catfish? Fishing? Yeah. I have, well, I've caught catfish, but not like, I haven't gone Gone. catfishing. But I've heard. The Red River. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I might need to try that out. We interviewed some people that... It's a hidden gem. Is it? Yeah, it's a hidden gem. Maybe not anymore. 
(laughs) (laughs) The word is out. Yeah. Yeah. It it requires a little bit of effort and you got to go out there and not a lot of people do, but, um, yeah, you can catch some nice fish in the red. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I've, I've done a lot more ice fishing than I have open water fishing. So I would, I would definitely need to take, uh, take some advice from, from people that know how to open water fish better than I do. But yeah, absolutely. They noodle, noodle in the Red River. Is that with no, your hand? I'm just kidding. Yeah, they is don't. That, is yeah. that what that is, though? Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. You fibber. <laughs> no. I'm like, no, I can't tell you that. Yeah. I mean, people probably try, but... That would be... That's, that's That looks intense. That's it more does. Of, that's more of like a southern thing. Yeah. But... Yeah. I mean, maybe people do. Maybe we should stop talking about it so we don't wreck noodling in North Dakota. Oh, no, nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's fascinating how they do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I do have one more question for you, Ashley. Okay. I'm a couple, but okay. um, so tell me a little bit about your fitness journey and the just kind of athletic and nutrition lifestyle that you've lived. Because I've heard a little bit about it. I don't know a ton about it. And being a former athlete, hitting the phase of my life where I don't have something like scheduled to do as like a workout, but wanting to kind of stay fit and stuff like that. What, what can you kind of recommend? Just tell me a little bit about what you've done in the past and kind of your story for that. Oh, yeah, I've taught, like, group fitness classes, done nutrition coaching. Um, but definitely, like, I wasn't an athlete, and it became a passion as I needed to make health and lifestyle changes. Um, and so I got more passionate about it. And just every year would just progress into something different from running half marathons to doing fitness competitions and um, just really, like, the whole, like, health aspect in general, I guess. And yeah. so, like focusing on whole foods and just making it a priority of like, how can I, you know, live a long and healthy life? And it's like, okay, by keeping my body moving, uh, strength training and yeah, just eating whole foods really mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. Um, and then all there's all these different biohacking things I like to test. So kind of like you're a gearhead and I mean, you are too and <laughs> I do like more gearhead things on like the fitness side of things of different trackers and the cold plunge, which your phone did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, shots Sorry. fired. Sorry. Yeah. Subject, but, shots um, fired. Yeah. So just different things like that. And, you know, like at Shields too, we like carry all of these things. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, a wealth of knowledge going into the stores, talking to the experts and like, yeah. um, yeah, finding those things. But mm-hmm. So yeah, just always kind of like trying new things too. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of what I've been doing for the past couple months, it sounds kind of dumb when I say it out loud, but like a lot of the, the training and the stuff that I'm doing is geared more like towards hunting. Not that it's like hunting related, but like I want to be able to efficiently pack out an animal in the mountains or something like that or in the badlands. But I think that would, to be able to do that successfully and efficiently, I I think it requires some training and just, just trying to keep my body upright and and healthy and stuff like that and the food is definitely the hardest part because i have a sweet tooth and a half (laughs) so the whole foods that's tough i actually worked with a client that had this huge hunt planned and he needed to get in shape that he could be able to do that Mm -hmm. and it was in a riding horse and everything and so um i'm not a personal trainer but i connected him with one so he could do a lot of those things too yeah you know and wearing weighted vests and um but yeah getting the nutrition Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, absolutely. Keep it up. You're doing a great job. So I'm trying. So you're telling me I should probably stop eating the, the gummy bears? No, I, <laughs> the gummy bears will not. That stop. will never stop. I will okay. sacrifice things for Sorry, that. Yeah. But like the leftover craft mac and cheese and dino nuggets that my three and eight year old leave on the plate, I should like <laughs> throw that away instead of eat well, it all. Or you know, there's after balance. I've had my there's after I've had my fill anyways <laughs> right, yeah. and eaten my whole yeah, plate. Yeah, save it for leftovers. You know. Yeah. Okay. Save go. it for leftovers. All right. I'll. I'll keep that in mind. In mind I'm not yeah. going to tell you I'm going to do it, but <laughs> right. I'll keep it in mind. Yeah. You can't pass up dino mind. nuggets. I know they're delicious. That's tough. You know, <laughs> dino uh, nuggets. See it. You know, parent hack. You make a whole scene. You know, get some mashed potatoes and gravy in there, and make like a oh. volcano and put the dinos in oh, there, cute. and then you can get yeah. broccoli. That's a too. great idea. Put it as like trees. dino trees. Yeah. Are you speaking from experience on that? Yes, absolutely. That's, I've gotten that's good. pretty creative with with my culinary. What's presentation? I don't know, presentation. That's there a perfect go. word for it. I'm not a good cook, but I can be creative. That's good. Mm-hmm. I've got another question for you, Mike. Totally switching topics, but can you convince me to use Ozonics? I've never used it before. And like I said, former, not former, but current listener of the podcast. Now I'm here, but I've heard your episode about using Ozonics. Mike convinced me. Yeah. I needed okay. Ozonics. It, that made a very strong <laughs> argument. I haven't done it yet. But I would like you to try to convince Here's me to use those objects. Yeah. Oh, okay. So pitching you is going to be a little bit different because you listened to that episode of me talking about my mule deer misadventures yes. um, for opening and, and talking about how it made a difference. So you can still I'll reiterate just, it. If I'll, you want I'll to, give but. a quick synopsis of that. I used to guide, and I had a I had a food plot like a five acre one way tucked back. And I, I could never efficiently hunt it. So I would start, like, you know, trying to play the wind and stuff. And something would always smell me. And it would always be, like, the first sit is always the best. But there was this river that I would, like, cross. And then so I ended up putting a stand in, a, in like, so I would just cross the river and hop right into it. But the the issue with that spot was, like, if the wind was blowing over the you know back over the river that's great nothing would ever smell me but nothing would ever come because the deer wouldn't feel safe because they couldn't smell what was or like scent check the field and stuff like that but so i started hunting it like with the wind basically blowing into their bedroom and i would run i I'd do like a, a permanent blind and i'd run an ozonics and i'd open one window i'd run the ozonics so all the scent was it in that one single spot and then would blow out and the ozonics would basically destroy all the odors so there could be like 30 deer out in the field in bow range downwind of me and they wouldn't pick up their heads because i basically cheated scent so that's a i mean that's kind of the synopsis of that but you know it's it's just crazy what that can do on like a molecular level just breaking down your scent and and pretty much destroying because of like if you bow hunt you've been winded mm-hmm. you know you've been stomped and it's just like that's the quickest way to destroy stuff. Now, so. is it that the it's ozone, I'm assuming, right? <clears throat> yes. Is it that it, because I've heard it explained one time to me, but is it that when it gets emitted from the unit, it's heavier than the air, so yep, it pulls exactly. the scent down? So the ozone molecules are heavier than your scent molecules. So your scent will travel with the wind, basically like level and slowly disperse, okay. drop out, and the ozone will, will drop at a faster rate. So you need to put the ozone machine above you so it can you it basically like blankets your scent and you would want it coming out 
the same direction that the wind is going then, correct? Yeah, correct. So you have it pointed, pointed okay. basically into the wind where your sound will go. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I definitely would like to try it. Yeah, it's it's it can be a game changer. Like yeah. it's not a cure all. You know, like if you go into your saddle and set it up and you've got 15, 20 mile an hour swirling wind, that's not going to destroy all your odor. Mm-hmm. But if you are in an environment like a ground blind or a tower blind or something like that and can contain it, it is absolutely lethal. Yeah. And I suppose so, it helps you use, utilize those spots that are just so tough to hunt when you have terrible wind conditions all the time like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, like if you're going after a target buck, nine times out of ten, that's not the first deer that's going to enter yeah. the field. So you need to fool three, five, nine, 10, 15 does and small bucks before that one's going to feel comfortable enough to enter. So that's a way to do it. And it's, it's quite a sight to see. Gotcha. Now, would you prefer to be in a blind like that or in a tree hunting whitetail, or would you prefer to be out in the badlands kind of spot and stocking for muleys? Oh man, that's a wonderful question. It really depends. So I love That's the whole. That's not an answer. Yeah, <laughs> no, just no, I think we'll get to the I'll, bottom I'll, of it. I'll dive into it. <laughs> okay. I get to be a little long-winded at times. That's all right. Bear with me. I'll get to it. Um, I grew up hunting whitetails. Like the first twenty years of my archery experience was pretty much strictly like whitetails and stuff. So I love the whole chess match with the food plots and the trail cameras and figuring out what animals you'd like to go after and how you can get close enough to them, how you can get there without disturbing them. And it's just that will always hold a special place in my heart. But mule deer spot and stock is awesome. It's so fun. Like if you if you hold a gun to my head and say pick mule deer or whitetail, I'm going to pick mule deer. So really? that's that's my answer. It's just All right. I you know, I don't consider myself like an ADD type, but like Cause I'll sit in a tree all day. I can do it, but I would rather move and I would rather try and create my own luck basically because, you know, with whitetail, you, you do all the prep work and then you get into a stand and then you have to wait and then you have to hope it happens, you know, Mm -hmm. with mule deer, you can venture out and you can a little bit more make your own luck and you can fly by the seat of your pants a little more. And a lot of it is like, you find that animal and then it's game time. It's like you have to like in the moment dissect what you're going to do, come up with a plan. Um, you know, there's different routes and stuff. So it's like, you know, one of the best examples was like my wife's first mule deer. Like I, we were out in the Badlands. She drew a tag, a rifle tag before me, even though I had been applying longer than her. But, you know, that's how it goes. That is how it goes. Um, she doesn't shoot a ton. You know, like, I, I know she was confident. Like, let's say her range was, like, mm, 250, 300. She, like, we're pretty confident there. Um, we spotted these deer at, like, 700 yards. And I was like, okay, we got to figure out what to do. So we, we start stalking. We find this little ravine. And we get to, like, 275, 300. And it's like, oh, this, this is not a good shot yet. So we have two options. We can go to the right of this ravine. We can... You know, like we have this slight chance of getting winded, especially if it swirls. You never know once you get down into these like ravines and stuff, what's going to happen. And they might see us because we're side hilling on the opposite side. 
Um, or what we can do is we can take a left and there's like six or seven little ridges and they're going to be on the other side of one of these ridges. So we decided to go route number two, which means like they're going to be right in our lap. So we started going over these ridges, over these ridges, and uh, we get to like the fourth one and I don't see anything. And then we peek over a little bit and then all of a sudden a doe pops up. And then another one and another one and another one. It's like, okay, this is our group. Wait for the buck. And this buck pops out. And he's nice. <laughs> he's a good one. This is the one that we want. And fire off a couple of shots. And those first couple of shots were not the preferred shots. Um, but, man, she made a great shot running with the last one in her clip. And we got that buck. There you go. <laughs> and it's just something like that. You know, you just kind of make your own luck and you – really just get in there and it's just it's so fun you don't know what's going to happen and like i said you just kind of make your own luck Mm -hmm. the pursuit the pursuit exactly so that's a good name for like some sort of film like if you named if you had that on video you could just name it the pursuit yeah or maybe like a magazine that she puts puts out out. once a year that'd be crazy (laughs) be a great name for it (laughs) thought i would just drop that in there Yeah. yeah love it exactly so Yeah. Yep. Muleys. That's my answer. That's my quick answer after my long winded story. That's fair. And I like how, I like how you brought other people into the story as well. Like, like I said before, the bow hunting can be a solo mission a lot of the time, but when you can do it with others and when you can actually be out there, especially big game hunting, when you can do that with other people, friends, family, whatever, that's, it's a good time. It's, I mean, that's where most people's hunting stories come from. I mean, being able to spend that time and that experience with somebody that you would love and appreciate. I mean, that's what the outdoors is all about, yeah. getting to share those experiences with others. So, um, so is that really why you hunt? Probably, yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot that goes into it. And I, I guess I can go, go back to that uh, unsuccessful Utah elk hunt this last year. Like, there's, it was, it was, I went with a buddy, but we went our separate ways, like when we actually went to hunt, just to kind of increase our odds. Um, so every day, pretty much, I was just, you know, you're, you're alone in the woods and the mountains and stuff like that, and it's a good time. But... You can, you can get lonely. You can start thinking and stuff like that. But once you get done with like a trip or a week in the mountains or something like that, or when you're hunting, even after a sit for the afternoon, like it causes you to sit and think and like really appreciate the people around you and like the things that you have in your life. Cause I don't know if it's just me or not, but even if I just sit in a tree all day, I'm like, man, it'd be cool to be like sitting here or sitting at home watching football, eating a bowl of chili or like just wondering what everybody else is doing, but it just causes you to think and and appreciate other people too. In my opinion, that's what it does for me. Yeah. Wait till you have two kids that don't (laughs) stop screaming and then you're going to appreciate that silence. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure I will. (laughs) You know, that that's the great thing about hunting. You can make, you know, it is what you make it. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So great. Great to hear. So, you know what, Solomon, we appreciate you uh, spending the time here with us and being willing to jump in and, and become our tripod now. So um, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants here. I'm not sure if every episode's going to have all three of us, if it's going to be two of us, like what's going to happen exactly. But uh, Solomon's definitely going to be joining us on on a, a few more of these. So maybe it's going to, maybe it'll be all of them. So we'll just... <laughs> We're going to see what happens here, but we're, we're very thankful to have Solomon here with us uh, to help with creating this podcast and, uh, you know, making it something that you guys want to listen to. 
Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. And I will say from a listener beforehand, you guys have exceeded expectations. So that's good. Oh, perfect. (laughs) We'll try and hold to those expectations. No, it's been good. It's been good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for coming. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure to follow us on all of our social channels. Uh, Shields Outdoors, everything. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all that. And, um, you know, whatever platform you're listening on, we'd appreciate a follow too. So make sure to click that follow button. And with that, thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.